Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. This series is one that when I started writing it, I thought, well, I'm not sure how rel. I, I think it'll be relevant, but I'm not sure it'll be a message that everybody needs today. This is kind of one of those messages that you need to fold up and put in your pocket and file it because there's going to come a day that you need a word from the Lord. Come on now, all right? And, uh, okay, keep living then, and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. And two years from now, you'll say, that ball-headed guy, amen, all right? Because we're all going to come to these crossroads, and it's great if we can begin to learn how to hear God's voice now before it's a desperation when we have to have it. So I hope this is helping you. And today, we have a couple. I'm going to sit down now so we can give you guys some of the floor. Uh, This is Tim and Lindsay, and they are living in real time uh, this whole idea of hearing the voice of God and the direction of God, and that takes steps of faith. And uh, I hate saying this, but this is their last weekend with us at Radius. Uh, because sometimes that's what the will of God does. It moves us around and it changes us. Their kids have been responsible for raising over a thousand socks they collected for our outreach center. And they said that wasn't enough and went and sold bracelets and collected a thousand dollars and brought it and put it in my hands, come on now, for the outreach center. And uh, so we're going to greatly miss you guys. Um, love you guys. I mean that. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk. You got your mics on? Are we ready to go? Okay. Um, so you guys are getting ready to move. I think you take off tomorrow afternoon even. And big step, three young kids. Um, from this area, lived here your whole life. Uh, tell us a little bit about what God's doing, where you're going, how you came to that conclusion, whoever wants to start. Well, I wish I could stand before you guys and say I heard a voice as, he, as audible and just spoke to me, um, but I can't. For me, it was a little bit of a, of a transition. Uh, I started that in 2019 when I was just kind of stuck, stuck in life. Um, I wanted to blame my situation, thought it was my job and stuff. I felt God just kind of said, I have some things to work on in you. And uh, I started to just kind of fall into the word of God and pray and really take it seriously for my life and for my family. I wanted to become a better husband, a better father. And that's how it started. And so I prayed at the end of 2019 that God would give me time. And 2020 came and he answered that prayer. <laughs> so I apologize if... Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the blame for, uh, for everything. That's um, awesome. No, he just kind of, he, he put my life on hold and uh, really put my, uh, my perspective and my focus back to him. And uh, as, as that time went on, uh, we went through some, some tough things, uh, losing some people to COVID. Um, but it, it grew me closer. I saw the goodness in it, wow. uh, in my life. Um, and uh, I got this conviction. The best way I can put it is conviction and a sense of peace uh, about the state of Tennessee. And uh, that was kind of all it was. And I felt God wanted to just give me a glimpse of it. That way I didn't freak out. Um, but I held it in for a little bit. Finally worked up enough courage to tell my wife. And uh, <laughs> she kind of laughed at me and said, no way. There's no way. We're moving. And now, I said, hold on. Tennessee, do you have family there? you have any roots there? 
Do you know how they dress there? <laughs> I mean, nothing. Nothing. We, we have nothing there. Okay. Um, my family lives in Texas, but everybody else is here for us. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of like, why Tennessee? You know, I, we had a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and she said, no, you're crazy. Our life is good here. And it was. Uh, I definitely don't want anybody to think that I'm running from something. Um, but it was just a little bit of a shift for me to, to work on myself. And, and to be able to listen to that voice. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a greater calling wow. uh, in my life uh, for ministry. That's kind of what we're working through is just taking one step of faith at a time. Yeah. So did you guys tell walk us through, maybe this is for you, Lindsay, but like uh, obviously you dropped the bomb, Tennessee, um, and like you're crazy. So how would you get from you're crazy to the truck's already on the way? So how did you guys come together? What, what was that process? Um, well, I definitely said that he was crazy, and I was not about to just get up and move. Let me make sure you're on. Yeah. Yep, you're on. Make so sure she's on. I, uh, I can talk really loud. No, you're good. Um, so I said he was crazy, and I was like, I'm not, I'm, we're not moving. My family's here. We're raising three kids here. We're, I just feel like we're supposed to be here, and God's got something for us here. And so um, I decided that we're just not going to think about it, and we're not going to do it. <laughs> and that's where it ends. Hold on one second. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> oh, let's just pray about it for years and years. And year. we're still waiting on God. Remember the three? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Trade mics, or you guys share a mic, because I don't think you're coming through. So, um yeah, so he was crazy. We're not doing it. I'm saying no, and that's that. And then I realized that he wasn't sleeping. He was, and the best way I can put it is I could watch him just wrestling with God. And wow. God kind of convicted me to be in my Bible. And I just started reading about faith and obedience. And about six weeks later, I just felt like God dropped a word of being available and wow. as soon as he gave me that word um I mean in my for me it was I got the word Tim came home and I was like okay I feel like God gave me this word available I don't I don't know why but my answer is yes to whatever you're going through wow. and he was like okay good because I got to tell you something uh <laughs> by the way that Tennessee thing has not gone away <laughs> And I was like, okay, so we're moving. All right, what does this look like? What do we do next? And he was like, I don't, I don't know. I was kind of hoping you would know. <laughs> Let me ask a question because that's one of my points in my message tonight. So you, you made a statement. You said the Tennessee thing wasn't going away. And I'm going to talk about that tonight. So how long was this whole idea of Tennessee in, in, in your heart or your mind? Or Well, it was about three solid months just within myself before I told her. Okay. And then another six months. Um, just kind of working through it together. Mm. Um, we put our marriage, you know, first, and we did a devotional together and, and started connecting in prayer. Yeah. And I think that's where we kind of grew together yeah. um, and kind of rekindled that fire of doing life together rather than just two people in, a, in the same house yeah. trying to do life together. Um, because relationships take work, and yeah. it's the same way with God. Yeah. Uh, really, really trying to um, get out of my own head. You know, I think there's a lot of times where we, we kind of block the calling of God within ourselves and fill our head with doubt and we're not good enough. We, it's hard to battle the flesh a lot. Um, but like I said, when you just take the first step 
you, you kind of gain a sense of confidence that allows you to keep walking in it. Oh, that's good. The first step's always the hardest. That's right. Yeah. So uh, was there some outside confirmation? Let me ask two questions at once, all right? Was there outside confirmations? I mean, obviously God was speaking to you, but was there uh, parents, mentors, friends that were like, yeah, I see that too, or, and or, was there also criticisms? So, or, um, in other words, it wasn't all easy. Can you tell us about any of that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say um, just bringing you back in my life as kind of a mentor and being able to, to speak with you a lot, seeing things in me that I didn't see in myself, um, people I work with, people that are just in my life um, speaking things to me that really encouraged me to just walk in it and have the courage to, to do it, even though it's scary and I don't know all the answers. Um, and of course, there's always going to be uh, adversity. Yeah. And and like I said, for me, the biggest part of that is just my own mind. I, I tend to be pretty doubtful of, of what I'm capable of. Um, and that, that's what it is for me. Um, I think for me, the confirmations were actually what was really encouraging to just keep stepping. And those, I mean, I was encouraged by somebody to write those down because that's what's going to encourage us through some of the harder times. True. Yeah. But for me, I, I just, I remember when we were like, okay, this is a thing. So let's just pray about it. Let's just pray about it because if we tell anybody, they're going to think we're crazy. So let's just pray. And so we started praying and, and then some things kind of happened and just as parents and I, and I was like, okay, let's just keep praying. And I feel like God's telling us to just keep being, being obedient and diligent in what we're doing right now. And mm -hmm. And being in the word, and um, we love worship music in our house, so just being able to play worship music and seeing the kids get into it, it, it just kept encouraging us to want to be physically in church, because we weren't um, with COVID, and, but then uh, we decided to fly out to Tennessee, and we weren't going to tell anybody, and I told Tim, I said, we're going we're gonna to fly out, this is crazy, but you should just walk into this construction company and say you want a job, like, are they hiring, and I don't know, maybe they'll hire you. And um, so we booked a flight and I said, okay, we've got three weeks, let's get our house ready. And if this doesn't work and we just are supposed to go on a little mini getaway, then hey, that's awesome. And our house will be, you know, a little bit nicer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, God always, he showed up financially in that. Uh, we didn't have to pay for our plane tickets because we had to cancel a trip due to COVID. And um, you know, we had a babysitter, his sister flew out and she was like, let's do this. And the kids would call us and they're like, we're praying that daddy gets it, you know, gets this job. And it was really encouraging to go and growing up in church our whole life, but then kind of like walking away and then coming back to it. And in that trip, I just remember God being like, be where you know be worshiping in the car on your drives be praying together and that's nothing that we had ever really done and it filled both of us and I mean he he got the job on the spot okay now we got to stop here okay so first of all Tim has an incredible job here yeah. with a great construction company uh family members that come here so so it's one thing to feel God leading you when life sucks <laughs> right but it's another thing when everything's clicking everything's happening and then to walk into a major construction company there 
It's not a small outfit from what I understand. And they hire you. Yeah. yeah. So that and any other kind of like confirmations or things that kind of fell into place? Yeah, I mean, just a brief kind of sum up the story of how I got hired. I, I walked in and met with the HR lady. It was a quick little interview. And as we're going downstairs, um, she looks outside and says, the owner's here. Usually they like to meet with them, with who we're, hire, who we're interviewing. Yeah. And, uh, and so she's like, let me be right back. Let me see, let me see if I can catch him. Because so, you just walked in, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so she goes up and down the stairs a couple times, and I just sit there and I pray. I said, God, if this is where you want me, just, just give me this chance to give me this uh, interview. And uh, she comes out and she says, yeah, they want to meet with you. And so I walked in the room and just kind of shared my heart and shared what God was doing in my life. And, uh, yeah, like you said, they hired me on the spot, and they said that they had been praying that God would send somebody um, for this particular position. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, call me crazy, but I mean, when you when you just can hear that and you can discern that in your heart, you just know that that can only be God for me. So to be inside, there. when you're sitting in this meeting, are you going, "Yes, I told Lindsay." Yes. I. <laughs> yeah, I take I took two steps out that door. And I started crying. And I just said, "This is 100% God." And, wow. Uh, and even in in that greatness, right? I I still feel like um, it's just a job for me. I really feel that God is calling me to to step into ministry and, and to allow my voice to be heard. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I can reach a certain group of people just through my life experiences and uh, how diverse I've been. Um, I did grow up in church, but I felt pretty hard away, and I just feel like God can use that yeah. in this time. Yeah. I know I've told you this privately, um, but since this is being recorded, I'll say it again. Um, I know God's call is on your lives. And, you know, sometimes I think God has to see if we're willing to walk through door A so that he could open door B. I, I, think, I think this is interesting, and, and don't try to work through this theologically because this hasn't been in the oven long enough for me to think through it. But we always want to know, we always want to know we can trust God. But I wonder sometimes if God wants to know, can I trust you? Will you walk through this step of faith? Because if you can, then I got some other things for you. Because he rewards faith, right, everybody? I mean, that's what the Bible tells us. So here, here's a big question. Um, because I've often had people get upset with me because uh, I, 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 um, I know that as Christians, we're not, we're not supposed to say that we have any fears or concerns. Um, and and when, when I say that, um, I understand perfect love casts out all fear, but the fear that First John is talking about is fear that we would fall away from God. And I would say that you're not totally alive if, if your faith doesn't bring you to a place occasionally that you have no frame of reference. And if we're being real and not Christian cliche, there's some discomfort in that. There's some, I'm not sure about that. Um, and, and, and I, I understand you may have a different opinion and I get people mad at me, um, because of this, especially during COVID because people had legitimate fears. Yes, we can trust God. The difference is this. The difference is, is fear driving your car or is faith driving your car? Sometimes even when faith is driving the car, fear will hit your ride in the back seat. The key is not to let fear be driving the car. Can anybody handle that right there? And, and so I just want you to be real. So I took the brunt of any disagreement on this statement. So 
is there concerns moving forward? I mean, God did some great things. And I know we should be going, oh, God's in it. He is. Um, but then life happens. And it, so do you, is there any other concerns or like, ooh, I don't know about this? Or how, how is that? Or have you worked through most of those? No, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think you could uh, move your family across the country and not be a little scared. Um, <laughs> but I, I truly believe that's where God wants to work is, is when you have to truly rely on him. Um, if we had all the power and we could just walk through anything and not be scared, what would, why would we need a God, you know? Right. I believe that's where he works and, and does the best miracles is when, when you're scared and you need, you need him in your life. And, yeah. and to, to kind of surrender to that and just say, you know what, God, have your way. Um, he can do some amazing things. And See, I think that's real faith when there's fear, but you can surrender in the midst of the fear. Exactly. To me, just to me, you can disagree with that part, but just to me. Okay, let, let me change something real quick, because last weekend was so powerful. I cried. You baptized your kids, <laughs> then you baptized your wife. It's about time you got saved, Lindsay. It's <laughs> wonderful. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but um, so talking about following the will of God, like you've served God your whole life. So why? I mean, that was just one of them little steps of hearing, okay, God said do it. I don't know why, but I'm going to. tell. Walk us through that a little bit. Um, well, 2020 for us was amazing. God just showing up, and um, we went to Disneyland when Disneyland got shut down, and it was pretty awesome to be there, and people would stop us and say things like, why are you guys so happy? Disneyland closes today. Like, And <laughs> we just were. We God was just already starting something mm -hmm. there, and we got back, and um, we decided to start a war room and really just pray and ask God, like, God, what do you want from me um, as a wife, as a mother, and who, who am I in your eyes? And so God had been working on me a lot, and just like you had preached at the beginning of this year, which was another confirmation for us about this move, was send me, search me, and break me. Wow. And in the month of August, God really just, he broke me <laughs> in a lot of ways. And um, after all that had happened, I, I just felt like truly that I was a new Lindsay. And I had told Tim, like, I think I want to get baptized, but we're not going to church. Like, how are we going to do that? And what does that look like? And so it was just kind of like, okay, well, I guess it's just there, and I don't know what to do with it, and, you know, God had put on our hearts to come back here to Radius, and and then uh, you had just said, like, I can't wait to get back to baptisms, and I'm like, I really hope you do that soon, because we're <laughs> leaving, and yeah. um, anyway, so I just, I felt like God was, he's been preparing us, and and he, you know, this week I told Tim, I said, I finally feel this week God gave me after Tim, you know, had baptized me and that God was giving me restoration and truly restoring me to who he's that's he beautiful. sees and wants to use and awesome. and whatever's to come next that is so good <laughs> yeah awesome well you guys um I believe that the day's gonna come where you will come back here and visit from Tennessee and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this while the camera's running <laughs> that I believe the day will we will sit here and we will hear Tim Oliverez stand on this stage and bring a message from God. Come on, man. I really believe it. No pressure. 
No pressure. So, uh, well, I got a little bit of a message I still want to preach. Thank you guys for sharing, and thank you for being obedient to the Lord. You've encouraged and inspired me. And uh, if you want to ask them questions, uh, hang out a little bit afterwards. And thank you guys so much. Would you thank them for sharing their hearts? Thanks, guys. Come on, we can do a little better than that. Thank you guys so much. All right, now I'm going to preach the shortest message I've ever preached. How many of you believe it? I didn't think so. My wife still believes in me no matter what. A famous opera singer had mysteriously lost his ability to sing certain notes. And he went in for all kind of testing. And after all these tests, it was discovered that when he would hit certain notes, that this opera singer would hit 140 decibels. Now, just to put that in perspective, that is louder than a military jet when it's taken off. How many know that's per- And you thought rock and roll was loud. Come on, right? Uh, and so what was happening is that the singer was actually losing his hearing because of his own voice. Think about it. He's losing his ability to hear because of his ability to talk. Oh, do I need to preach more? I wonder if I've ever lost my ability to hear because of my ability to talk. I wonder if I've treated prayer like a time for me to talk and not as a time for me to hear. Come on now. I'm already preaching and you guys are waiting for the good stuff. Come on now, right? Uh, See, the result of this, the result of this singer, and the reason this story fascinated me is because you cannot, what you cannot hear, you cannot duplicate. What you cannot hear, you cannot sing. If you cannot hear the note, you cannot sing the note. Let me say it another way. If you can't hear from God, you can't become like God. If you can't hear the voice of Jesus, you can't become more like Jesus. And so, has anybody noticed that in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of noise, right? There's been a lot of noise, a lot of white noise. And if we can't hear God, if we can't hear the voice of God, then we that call ourselves Christians, we don't act like God in the midst of chaos. We act like what we hear the most. And if you hear chaos the most, you act like chaos the most. But if you hear the note, come on. If you can hear God, you can have a worldview that's like God. Come on now, everybody, right? And the reason that I want you to know the voice of God is because we cannot reproduce what we don't hear. We cannot become, last week or or recently I talked about how the glory of God comes the more we're transformed. But if we can't hear His voice in our life, this has transformed you. I I would dare say uh, that it's probably caused your faith to grow deeper, your roots to go deeper, your marriage to get closer, your kids to trust God more. We heard Him say that. Wow, because they're hearing the voice of God. One of my favorite two people to preach when I first started preaching was Joshua and Moses, maybe because the analogies were so simple. But um, I, I, I like this verse right here, and then I'll unpack it a little bit. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Isn't that an interesting thought? Come on. Would anybody mind if that could happen? Like, okay, Thursday at 5, God's going to meet you in your bedroom and talk to you face-to-face. Anybody like, yeah? You got a list of questions, a list of concerns, right? I mean, face-to-face. I don't even know what that looks like. Theologically, that blows my mind. But this is a cool verse. As one speaks to a friend. I really like that, too. 
People tell me all the time, Ken, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. Just talk to God like a friend, like a father. Watch this. Now, this is the part of the verse that kind of intrigues me. I'm just throwing this in here to set you up. Then Moses would return to the camp. Okay, so let me explain what's happening and contextualize the text. Moses would come to church, meet with God, talk to God, hear from God, talk to Him, worship Him, pray to Him. This is their version of church back in the Old Testament. He would go in the tent, talk with God, and then he would go back to work. He would go back to the camp. But check this out. But his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now, I don't know if that interests anybody else, but I've often wondered why Joshua got to take the children of Israel into the promised land and Moses never got to take them in. I mean, Moses is the bomb. He stepped up in Pharaoh's court and said, let my people go. He is one bad dude. He is a leader. The Red Sea, remember all that? The Ten Come. I mean, he's like a pretty Mac Daddy dude, but he didn't get to take the people into the land of blessing. And I started wondering, Moses didn't get to do it, but maybe God trusts those most that know him the best maybe God trusted Joshua to take them somewhere because he knew Joshua best because Joshua spent more time come on can anybody at least nod at me tonight right multiple times in scripture it says he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit of God is saying he who has an ear I hope when you come to church you get your ears ready you get your, remember back in the CB days, you got your ears on, you know, come on. Like, when we come to church, we ought to, we, we ought to at least set all the world's issues on the shelf. We ought to set all the political, all the social, all the work, all the problems, all the, I'm not saying they're not real, but what if we could take life for one hour and set it on the shelf so that we could hear what God might be wanting to say? What if we could do that every morning? What if we can make a practice of tuning out the noise because I cannot become what I cannot hear. If I can't hear the note, I cannot sing the note. In 1971, psychologist Albert Marriabon, I think that's how you say his name, he reported, uh, he made this study that I thought was pretty fascinating on nonverbal communication. And, and here's, what, here, here's what he said. Here's the simple form of it. He, he said that, uh, I think I got some stats there, that 53% of what we hear comes through body language. That's why I'm always saying, are you hearing what I'm saying? Nod at me, right? So it's like 53% is body language, and then 33% is tone. Every husband ought to know that by now. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's the tone. And then, watch this, this will blow your mind. Only 7% is actually the words that we use. That's why I run around while I preach. By the way, I just want you to know that. Because I can't just stand here and use words, otherwise you'll only hear 7% of my sermon. So I turn cartwheels, I run around, I jump around, and use body language. That's my story, and I'm going to stick to it, all right? There's more than one way to hear. Now, all, all through this series so far, we haven't really talked about the real specific ways that we hear. So in these last two parts... I want to give you a conglomerate of ways that we could turn to to hear the voice of God. To, to, begin, to, uh, to begin to train ourselves. If we are His sheep, we ought to know the shepherd's voice. 
All right? And so I'm going to start. Uh, the, the order doesn't matter except for number one. And so I want to talk to you about different ways that we can hear from God. I'm going to start the list tonight, and then we're going to end it next weekend. So let's dive into this. Number one, I think the first way that we hear from God, and this, everything else has to be filtered through number one, is through the Bible. Come on, would you say the Bible? The Bible. Did anybody grow up in church singing the B-I-B-L-E? Anybody at all? Come on now. Woo! All right. Yeah, it was the Bible. And, and let me just say a few things about the Bible. First of all, the Bible is more than a history book. The Bible is living. It's not just an ancient textbook. Watch this, everybody. It's not an ancient book of rules. It's not an ancient book of poetry. It's not an ancient book of history, although all those things are included. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 12, and, and, and I'm going to take a survey, it says that the Word is active and it's living. It's, it's, it's living. So let me take a quick survey. How many have ever read a verse one time in your life and it really didn't mean anything to you? And then another season in your life, you read it and it jumped off the page and clicked. Let me just see your hands, right? Right. Or let's do one more survey. You heard it preached or taught on one way and got something out of it. Now later in life, you're going through a different season and that same verse speaks to you in a different way. Anybody at all? Right. Because the Word of God is living. And if we treat it as just a book of rules, we miss the heart behind it. We miss the activity behind it and the living behind it. Uh, we can't just read the Bible. We, this is going to sound so preachery, and I just don't know how to say it any other way. We can't just read the Bible. We need to let the Bible read us. When we're reading the Bible, God, what are you speaking to me? Scripture says that God breathed. So all the writers, all the men and women that sat down to write, when Paul was writing, he told Timothy that God breathed it. It wasn't that I was just inspired, that God breathed it, and I put pen to paper what God was saying. It's living and it's active. Um, and, and also the Bible, let's talk about this part of the Bible because you don't often hear this part of it. Um, how many would agree with me that the Bible can also be misused and the Bible can be used to abuse? And we've probably all met somebody that we've tried to tell them about the wonderful grace of God, but they've been abused and the Bible's been misused on them. I've seen a lot of misuse and abuse of the Scriptures during 2020. Because everybody has something they're passionate about or mad about, and you can vent and then put a Bible verse. How many know you can find a Bible verse to support about anything you want, right? Come on, there's that book of Leviticus. You can really find some wacky stuff in there, right? I, I, I mean, it can be any time we use a verse to unlove someone or to beat somebody up or to exclude somebody out of the circle, out of God's grace, then we've used the Bible for the wrong reason. Did you know even the devil uses the Bible? Has he ever used it on you? The devil used the Bible to bully Jesus. Anybody remember the story? Luke chapter number 4 brought him out into the wilderness. There, there's this subtle form of idolatry, and it's literally called bibliolatry. 
It, it's, it's, a, it's a real form of idolatry. It's people that worship what the Bible says more than they're focused in on. Let me say it another, another way. They, the, the, they're more married to the book than the author of the book. Now, that's kind of tricky because, wait a minute, you just said that's how we hear, hear from God. Watch this. I'm going I'm to qualify this statement, but hold on. Bibliolatry, it, it involves treating the Bible as an end in itself. You ever, I, I've probably said it, you've pro, maybe you've said it, the Bible says it, I believe it, therefore I'm going to do it. Well, that sounds really good, unless somebody that don't have the heart of God and the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they're treating the Bible like a rule book to exclude somebody, Wait a minute, now that comes with a caveat, right everybody? It, it, it comes with an asterisk. See, because the very same Bible also says that knowledge only puffs up, right? And, and so we need, we need the Word of God in us, but we also need the Holy Spirit as our interpreter bringing it to life. If we don't have the Holy Spirit in it, watch, watch this. I, this isn't a teaching on the Holy Spirit, but let me give you a couple things. Read John chapter number 14, read John chapter number 16, and it'll tell you multiple times that the Holy Spirit, He will speak not what he, uh, on His own, but He will speak what He has heard in heaven. What did He hear in heaven? The words of God. What is the Bible? The words of God. So the Holy Spirit will bring into remembrance the things that we have put in our heart. Watch this though. He can't bring something into remembrance that you haven't already put in your heart. He can't bring things into your mind if you're not putting the Word of God in your mind. Come on, everybody. And we need the Holy Spirit as the interpreter because the Holy Spirit is what makes the Word active and what makes the Word alive. Come on, have you ever seen a, a, a theologian or a professor study the Bible and they know the words of the Bible, but they don't know the spirit of the Bible? They know, they, 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 they know the book, but they don't know the author. You hearing what I'm saying on that? And, and, and it's kind of like this. I like to use this illustration sometimes uh, when, when we're talking about that. The Holy Spirit needs some truth to land on. That's why, that's why things happen in church, because as we get up here and we preach the Bible, and we use Bible verses, now the Holy Spirit has some truth to land on. Some, the, the Holy Spirit has now some truth to work with. It has the Bible to work with. If we're not putting the Bible in, then our mind's not getting renewed. Our hearts aren't getting renewed, right? And so in the Old Testament, there's the, uh, remember the flood, everybody? Noah's Ark and the flood, and the flood stopped. And, and, and Noah, if you read this story, he sent out a raven. And the raven never came back. Because the raven represents Satan. And Satan, the raven, could go out there on the floodwaters and land on death and feast on death. And if all you're putting in your mind is death, is news, is how bad the world is, is how bad the pandemic is, and how bad the politicians are, and how bad the social media is, and how bad everything is, then what you have acting is, is you have a raven acting in your life because that's all you're feeding. But when the dove went out, the dove had to find life in order to come back. The, the dove is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit needs life. Come on, everybody. It needs something that's living, and the Word of God is living. Come on, are you guys hot? Is something wrong? Come on. 
Uh, fan your neighbor real quick and say, hang with them for just a few more minutes, all right? Psalms chapter 119, verse number 29 says this, quicken me according to your word. If you don't have God's word in you, what's he going to quicken you to? So watch this. So our worldview and our reaction minus the word of God becomes flesh, becomes what they said, becomes whatever the hot topic is. What is He going to quicken you to if there's no Word in you? See, I want my response to be more like Christ. How many of you, you're like Christ, but you don't always respond like Christ until after you've had time to process how you didn't respond. Now you're thinking of how you should have responded. Anybody at all? But the more you put God's Word in you, the more it renews your mind, and the more that now you're quickened according to God's Word. Mm, I'm preaching to me right now, so excuse me. Psalms 119, verse number 11 says this, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word of God, it renews our mind. It changes. It changes our appetite. Anybody here, uh, we're going to pretend this was a long time ago. Like way back when you first got saved, years ago. Because we, li we like to talk about our last sins, but not our present sins. But have you ever, you remember giving your life to the Lord and you're so excited, you're on your way to heaven, you have this new relationship with Christ, but you still have some old appetites? Anybody at all? Can I just see your hand? Anybody? I love Jesus, but I still, woo, I got some messed up appetites. Because I have some, your mind is your appetites. It's your souls. It's, your, it's the things you hunger for. It's the things that might not be right. Uh, so that's our mind. It's our psyche. It's our moods. It's our, all of that. Without the Word of God, we will never renew that part of us. So before Christ, I would get mad and, and with my anger solve a problem. But have you ever met a Christian that gave their life to the Lord and they're still responding with anger? They're still responding in road rage. They're still running people off the highway. You know what I'm saying? Because our mind is not being renewed through the Word of God. Our appetites, uh, our decision-making processes. Have, have you met people that keep on making one bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision after another? See, when you renew your mind, it helps you in the decision-making process when we get the Word of God in us. Mm. Come on. Now, and by the way, let me just say something. Christians, this is a season we need to know the Bible. And, and at, at Radius, we make it as easy as we know how. All you got to do is get on the app, get on our webpage, and you can follow along reading a Bible plan every day. We got you version now. Uh, you can set every morning to wake up to a Bible verse. Before you even roll out of bed, you could have Siri or you could have Alexa read a Bible verse to you. I mean, this is a real easy way to get God's Word in you. But we need to know God's Word. It's crazy how many people I hear going around that are Christians and churchgoers that are saying certain things that the Bible says that the Bible never said. Have you ever met this person? Are you one of them? No, no, you don't have to raise your hand for that. I, 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 let me give you a few. Hey, here, here's some. Here's what people say the Bible says. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. God actually helps those that can't help themselves. I didn't know where to look to find Jesus. Come on, I didn't know how to help myself. 
Come on, you're reading ahead. Let me get there then. God will never give you more than you can handle. That is not in the Scriptures. I hear people quote, in 2020, I heard more people quote this make-believe Scripture than ever before. Actually, uh, it's not in there. Actually, people are given more than they can handle all the time. Who would testify? Yeah, because God wants you to depend on Him. Moving across country, that's way more than you can handle in the natural. But the Bible actually says God will not allow someone to be tempted beyond what they could stand. How about this one? Spare the rod and spoil the child. Nope. Go find it. Bring it on back to me. Go ahead. In fact, don't come back to church. And, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, all right? Uh, how, how about this one? God moves in mysterious ways. Or how about this one? When God closes a door, He opens a window. What? Are you kidding me? You know who actually said that? Mother Superior from The Sound of Music said that. She's a long ways from God, everybody. Uh, And whenever somebody says one of these verses to me, I say, hey, where'd you find that? Was that in the second book of Hesitations, chapter 4, verse number 11? I mean, come on. If you can't hear it, you can't sing it. And if you hear it off note, you sing it off note. If you misinterpret, come on now, then you will misinterpret. If you hear wrong, you sing wrong. The first way we hear God is through the Bible. And then everything has to be processed through that. Because you can't come to me and say, God told me, blah, 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 but it contradicts what His Word has already said. So the first filter, come on Christians, is the Word of God. Let me give you number two. I'm going to just do two or maybe two and a half tonight, All right. Number two is our desires. Now this one's tricky, but that's why I said the Bible first. Because if you're in the Word of God, now I can trust my desires a little bit more. Now, I can't trust my desires all the way. That's why this is only one of the ways that God might direct us. It might have been best for you guys to desire to move to Hawaii. I can't always trust my desires. Now, when I say trust your desires, this connects with what I said last week about following your passion. This assumes that you're in a relationship with God and you're desiring to do His will. Watch this. Psalms chapter number 37 says it this way. Watch these two words and I'll unpack them. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. So there's an assumption on this one. Delight and desire can be trusted. Let me say it another way. When you delight in God, now my desires are probably a little more in line with God. When I'm not delighting in God, I can't trust my desires. In fact, some of them are questionable even when I am delighting in God. Right? Um, so psychologist Abraham Maslow, he said it best, and I think I have it for you. I wanted to put it up here. A musician must make music. A builder must build. An artist must paint. A poet must write. If he is to ultimately be at peace with himself. What's the point of trying to be who you aren't? Be who God's called you to be. Fulfill. He put those desires. When you're delighting in Him, He's putting those desires in your heart. 
He put the desire to be in ministry. He dropped out of the sky, Tennessee. And then I bet you got passionate about Tennessee because I'm delighting in God and now I want to desire what God wants me to be. There's there's an interesting story in Luke chapter number 18. I love it. Jesus and his disciples are going back to Jericho. And when they're walking along the highway, there's all these beggars on all the sides of the road. And, and, and in Luke chapter number 18, it says there's this blind guy by the name of Bart. Well, Bart is short for Bartimaeus, and, and he's sitting on, the Bible says, on the wayside. So he's no longer in the flow of life. He's, he's, his life has been hijacked, and he's on the side. And in Luke chapter number 18, he cries out to Jesus and said, Son of God, have mercy on me. People are yelling everywhere. Jesus stops. He looks at uh, uh, Bartimaeus, and he says something to him very interesting. Watch, watch and see if you don't see the desire here. Luke 18, 41, it says this. Jesus speaks to the blind man. He says, hey, go get that guy that just yelled at me. The disciples are saying, everybody's yelling for you. No, 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 get that guy. He brings him forward. He looks at Bartimaeus, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Could you imagine Come on, man. I mean, right? Now, first of all, it's a silly question, right? I mean, come on. I'm blind. Hello, right? McFly. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, really? That, you got to ask me that? But I wonder. Huh. Mm. I, I, I just wonder sometimes if Jesus was to ask us right now, what do you want me to do if you'd be ready? If you have an answer, if you have a desire in your heart, if you don't have a desire in your heart, I would backtrack and ask you the same question, are you delighting in God? Because if you're delighting in God, there ought to be some desires in your heart. If you're delighting in God, it's hard to sit on the sideline of life while everybody else is enjoying the presence of God. If you're delighting in God, you want to be where God is moving. That was a good place for an amen right there. Could you imagine? I really believe there's a lot of people that if Jesus right now pulled you aside and said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? No, no. If you're delighting in God, there's desires that are stirring in you. What would you have me to do for you? Pow, pow, pow. Now, if you're like me, I always have to process my desires. Anybody else feel like that? (laughs) If I only go by desires, I'm in trouble because I'd eat chocolate cake for every meal. How many know what I'm saying? This is my desire, okay? So let me give you a couple things real quick, and we'll end with this, how to process those desires. Like, how do I know? Man, is this from God? Is this this thing I'm feeling, this passion, this desire? Here's three little sub-things. Number one is, does it grow hot or cold? Does the thing, does it, remember I told you guys, hey, how long was that? Because I can eat some bad pizza and get a vision. How many know what I'm saying, right? Right? But if it stays with me longer than the bad pizza stays with me, and six months from now, and a year from now, and two years from now, whoo, uh, is, it, is it still there? Watch this. Because a burden can be dropped. See, I could get up here and preach in such a way that would put everybody under a burden that you better sign up for children's ministry or you're going to hell, right? And, and, and what would happen is out of guilt, we would, put, we would pick up a burden and say, oh, i got to do that. But a burden can be dropped. God's calling, though, is without repentance. 
The reason what I said about Tim is because I truly believe and, I've seen, and I, I believe God's hand is on them and God's calling is on them and God's calling is without repentance. So what that means is God's not going to wake up a year from now and go, oh, you know, Tim's doing good in this construction job. Ah, just keep on doing that. No, no. God is not repenting for what He's called. He's not repenting for what He's put on your heart. In other words, He's not retracting it. Yeah, but I messed up, but God doesn't retract it. Yeah, but I went down a wrong road for like five years. Yeah, but He didn't retract it. Yeah, but God called me to be in ministry. Then I became a drug addict and my life went crazy. I was in prison. Yeah, but now you're out and you're sitting here and you're listening to this message and His calling is without repentance. Don't let the devil win. Come on, everybody, right? Okay, uh, number two is, uh, this one is kind of flies in the face of everything we've been taught, especially in the self-helps world. Do you want it too much, or can you live without it? Now, now I know everything about setting goals. You've got to want it more than you want air. I, I've heard all that, and I've probably said some of that. Um, but if you want it so bad, it might become what you worship. Hmm. I wanted a ministry so bad, and there was a season in my life that I had to be willing to give up my church because I put church in the place of God. I wanted it so bad. See, when I started off in ministry, people wouldn't pay any attention. They thought I was a joke. I would call pastors. They would never call me back, and I said, I'll show them, and I worked like crazy. 136 ministries, 14 built 13 buildings on one campus. We had pastors' conferences at our church. And I was like, see, finally. But then God said, will you give it up? Do you worship the gift giver or do you worship the gifts that he's given? Hey, let me give you this. This is a little extra. This isn't even in my notes. How many remember the story in Psalms uh, where David, uh, 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 I don't actually, where David is dancing naked before the Lord? Anybody ever heard that story? Anybody? Come on. You got to read the Bible. There's some crazy stuff going on in there. Here is David, the king, dancing naked. We prohibit that here at this church, by the way. We want you to worship, but all the naked worship, that happens in your own prayer closet, all right? But there's a powerful thing. It says that he danced naked. I always thought, this is the craziest scripture. Why does he do this? Watch this, because he was the king. He was the king. So he took off his crown. He took off his royal garments, signifying that it's not my position. It is just who I am, bare and transparent before you. Sometimes all the props that we lean on, we've got to be willing to set aside. All the churches, all the pastors, all the props, all the things, all the people that we lean on. Come on. If you want it more than you want God, ooh, then the desire is not where you got to delight in him number one is this making sense i know i'm going fast here's the third one here's the third way that i check it have i checked my ego now none of you probably have an issue with your ego at all i can tell by looking at you you're all very humble no egos here but i have an issue with my ego uh, the older i get the less i do but i can tell you as a young man there was a lot of good things i did for wrong reasons and it's real easy to camouflage it in the church world. Because as a pastor, I could get up and say, God told us to build this building. When it was really about my ego and how much I was accomplishing for God. So i got to check my ego. Am I doing it so that I look more valuable? Am I taking the position so I look more spiritual? Have I checked my ego? And is this really about God? Otherwise, I might do a lot of good things. 
but doing good things for wrong reasons is not very fulfilling in life. Okay, so I'm going to end with a half a point, okay? Here's a half a point, and this is where I'll pick up next week. The third way that we uh, hear from God is we have the Bible, and we have our desires, and then the next one I'm going to call doors. Some people call them green lights, red lights, open doors, closed doors. Um, But um, again, walking through open doors has to be secondary to do we know the Bible, maybe it's just me that gets it because I'm a pastor. People will say, well, God told me to walk through this door. And I'm like, no, He did not. He did not tell you to marry that person because this Scripture verse says no with a capital N. Come on now, right? Uh, So the Bible is still number one, but there are doors, okay? I'll tell you a personal story, and then I'll give you some more applicable things to that as we pick up next week. In 2005, I was feeling a release, which is another sign. When you start feeling a release from your current thing, then that might be an indication that God's doing something new in your life. When, when the brook dried up that Elijah was drinking from, when the brook dries up, then it's time to move on to something else. Okay, so um, in 2005, I had been pastoring our church for about 10 years. Uh, was celebrating our 10-year anniversary and I just started feeling like I didn't have the same passion. And uh, I've told parts of this story before, and some of you will re- recognize where they intersect. So I actually went and interviewed at a church in Grand Rapids, which is my wife's home city. Uh, great church. Uh, I've told you the story. They just got done building a 5,000-seat auditorium. I really wanted to go there and spend the rest of our ministry life. Uh, I was mature enough, at least by then, to recognize the only reason I was going to say yes to that was because of an ego. Um, uh, there's more to that story, but because of my ego. And then, and then about a year and a half later, fast forward to October of 2006, I was preaching in my church, and I was out in the foyer shaking hands, and there was these three couples all huddled together that I had never met before, and I went up and introduced myself. They were from Mount Vernon, Washington. They said, hi, our name is so-and-so, and we were wondering if we could take you to lunch. And I knew they were up to something. They showed me blueprints of a building they wanted to build, and they asked me to come out and take a look. We want to build what you kind of like what you've built here, and Long story short, they asked me if I'd come and be their pastor, and I told them no. I closed the door. But how many know God can open a door that no man can close? And how many know God can close a door that no man can open? Because people ask me all the time, aren't you worried that you walk through the wrong door? Listen, first of all, what if they're making a mistake? Sorry to put this on you right now, all right? What if they're making a some, some were thinking that, like, oh, man, but what if it was the wrong decision? I truly believe with all my heart, if you make a wrong decision, but you have a right heart, God will still make it something great. Come on, everybody, right? Because God's interested in your heart. He's more interested, are they willing to obey? Even if they screw it up, God can make our screw-ups incredible. In fact, I'm convinced that some of my screw-ups I never knew were screw-ups because God made something great out of it. I'm like, look at me, huh? Right? Uh, Really? So God can open doors and close doors. So they asked me to come be their pastor, and I was like, are you on drugs? There is no way I'm I'm leaving that to come be your pastor. I closed the door. 
five months later, I'm sitting in my pastor's church in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's preaching how he left his church in Davenport, Iowa, and he was talking about, man, my church had athletes. And I was like, yeah, we have pro athletes in our church. And we have stars and singers. He had just had Johnny Cash at his church. And I'm like, well, we got Barrett Strong in our church. And I'm making all these comparisons. And when he's talking about how he left there to go to his next assignment in Phoenix, all of a sudden, God spoke to my heart. And he opened the door. And I knew right then. In fact, I got up, walked out of the meeting. There was probably about 8,000 pastors there. I walked out of the meeting texting my wife saying, I think God's releasing us. And I walked face to face with the very same people that had been in the foyer of my church five months previously at a pastor's conference with 8,000 people there. They're not pastors. How do you run into somebody with that many people face to face? Come on. God can open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. Right, everybody? In fact, I'll give you this scripture verse as, as we close. Revelations, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I'll pick up right there next week. you get anything out of that tonight, anybody? I hope that you did. All right.